Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Monday. It is July 4, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we're on page 77 We're going to begin reading that last paragraph under no conditions. Today's readers are, for the OA 12 Steps, Edith R. The 12 OA Traditions would be Anita L. And the readers for the text today are Helena R. And Lisa H. And Camilla G. Now the reference number for yesterday, Sunday Special Edition, of July the 3rd, 2016, is 8884. Presentation entitled, The Road to Recovery. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Edith R. to please read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Edith R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do this service, Pat. And thank you so much, um, Edith R. Thank you. Okay, now I will kindly ask um, Anita L. to please read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside Philadelphia. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups, groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, one sec. <coughs> Sorry, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, so I pass. And thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Uh, if we could just kindly all mute our line so that we can have a nice, clear recording. And I thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, you press star one to unmute. But once you are done sharing, please let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Today we resume our study in the big book on page 77, and uh, that's going to we're going to start on the last paragraph on page 77. I will now ask Helena R to please begin reading. Good morning. Uh, Sorry, go Good ahead. morning, this is Helena, page 77. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. In nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we are calling upon admits his own fault. So feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Our former enemies sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they will offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We have made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. So just quickly a reminder that the person we're not criticizing, they're talking about at the very beginning of this, is the person that we've had a former ill feeling toward, and uh, they're mentioned as enemies. Um, I'm just going to focus on this second paragraph that I read. Um, that we really don't know what's going to happen, and that in most of the time it says we will have positive results, and that on the other hand, if we do not have positive results as we're making our step nine amends, um, it's not the ultimate goal. Remember, on page 77 at the top, it says that uh, although at the moment we're trying to put our lives in order, the real purpose is, quote, to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. And it's also in that first paragraph mentioned that we are to be calm, frank, and open. And it says, if our manner is calm, frank, and open, then most of the time, nine cases out of ten, has been the experience of these 100, first 100, is that feuds of years standing melt away that the unexpected can happen, that people for the most part will appreciate what we're trying to do. Um, so I really don't have much more to say about it. I do just want to point out that at the end of the section in this chapter on how to go about making amends, page 83, it says, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. 
And so here we are. If we have done that, we have made our demonstration, we have done our part. And the reaction of the other person, assuming that we have been calm, frank, and open, and that we have been sensible, tactful, and considerate, not servile or scraping, then we have done our part. And anything that happens as a result of that is up to God and up to the other person. Pass. And thank you so much, Helena R. Okay, we're going to come, uh, focus on that first paragraph on page 78 in nine cases out of 10. So who would like to comment for about three minutes on what was read? Katie G. from Boston. Yeah, good morning, Katie G. Okay, F. Katie G. And anyone else? Melissa o? Melissa. Melissa R. Melissa C. Melissa C., of course. Anybody else? Marie V. Marie Z. Yes. Okay. Vasa O. I don't know if you heard me, Vasa O. Oh, I didn't hear you, Vasa O. Thank you, hon. I'm going, you're welcome. I'm going with that four so that uh, we're going to have Katie G. up. Please go ahead, Katie. Good morning, Janice. May I be heard? You sure can. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic, calling in from Boston. I'm set my timer. So, you know, when I first started this, um, I had a lot of, I started off with, um, <clears throat> and I first started, and I can hear you whipping your eggs or your coffee. I'd love you to mute. That's cool. Um, so when I first started making, when I went through my first round of amends eight years ago, um, I started off with very like low hanging fruit for the people that were easy to approach and um and I got a lot of positive feedback and I started feeling really good and um feeling really good can kind of be a bad thing for me because um <laughs> the amends started going to my head and it became the KDG show and I wanted everyone to see like I'm KDG and I am making amends and aren't I so great and then I had, and I've shared um, some, you know, not so successful stories. And, and, and what I think for me the most important thing about amends that we're talking about is um, change behavior. And then it's not about the outcome, right? It's about my willingness to show up. And um, it took me five years to make an amend to my mom. And then when I did kind of make my first amend to her, it was after a huge um, verbal, verbally expressive battle um, when she came to my graduation from graduate school. Um, in my most recent amend with my fiance, um, I had to, um, I made an amend and then during the amend, I had to pause and ask God for guidance and direction because I had to make an additional amend because he pointed out that something I had done was disrespectful to him in my amend process in terms of making financial reparations and not considering him. So it really is about keeping that connection open with God and I and and not being so much in the outcome business. Like it, it, I'm not going to people because I'm so great. I'm going to people because I've really I've made mistakes. And I really need to change my behavior and that the outcomes don't matter. And, um, you know, I, I, I really can have a hard time with that because I want, and um, somebody is still unmuted. If you don't mind muting, that'd be great. 
Um, Katie, I'm gonna so, I'm gonna mute the line, Katie. Excuse me for interrupting. Yeah, I'm just, gonna keep okay. Okay. Okay, we need to um, unmute Katie. Katie's the only one that's unmuting at this time. Go ahead, hon. Go ahead. Okay, Janice, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, I'll just wrap up because I've said enough. But I just think it's really about restoring the harm. It's about being willing to do things differently. Um, and then, you know, the, the most important stuff is my day-to-day willingness to be a changed woman, to shut my mouth when that resentment comes up because I don't want to keep doing the same amend over and over again because that's not an amend, that's an apology. That's what I used to do. And today it's about being changed. And uh, I'm going to keep walking this bumpy, wonderful road with you all a day at a time um, and remembering, too, that um, I need to practice the willingness to be uncomfortable, to hear uncomfortable feedback, which comes from... Um, the ability to not seek relief, but seek freedom. And the only time I f- find freedom is when I pause and sit with God and um, and don't seek, you know, outside relief. And with that, I do pass. And thank you so much, Katie G. Okay, Melissa C., it's your turn. Start Hi. One mm-hmm. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, good. Good morning. It's Melissa Say Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. Um, you know, under no conditions do I criticize such a person or argue. I sweep off only my side of the street. I don't tell others what they should do. I don't discuss others' faults. Um, and, you know, and I look at others with that critical eye. That was my perfect way to excuse my own bad behavior, um, thinking about how I would look for any way to weasel myself out of accountability. You know, it's easier that way. Find fault in them, shift the blame, never really own up, don't change, you know, and then keep eating because that's where this leads to. Um, You know, and so my ultimate goal, um, yeah, is not to change other people. It's not even to change the situation. Um, It's so that I can stop eating and remain um, stopped from eating compulsively. You know, that's why I started on this, was that I had an addiction to food that was killing me, and I agreed that I would do anything to to remedy that. And so that means I'm no longer committed um, to being right. You know, even today, I can believe right down to the very core that I'm right about something. So what? You know, where is that going to get me? Um arguing or even remaining bound to my viewpoint, you know, somehow that's a belief that I'm God, that I know better. And the reality is I don't even know how much food to put in this mouth. So who am I to think that I know better about any situation? Um, My goal is to stay free from eating compulsively and to be of service. That's really it. Not to sway anybody's opinion Um, not even to get anybody to forgive me. I have to live in peace. And so I need to clean up only my side. You know, my, um, I don't tend to verbally tell people how wrong they are um, because I'm, you know, I've got really good manners. I learned that. You can hear my sarcasm. But, um, But I could do it mentally. You know, I could look at somebody and be extremely critical 
um, and then excuse the way that I behave based on how they behave. And that's not what this is about. I take care of my side of the street. I make sure that I'm engaging in a way as much as I can that's um, free, that, that I don't have to feel like crap about myself anymore. And so I don't have to be, I'm not on the committee of judging other people and knowing what's best. Um, I just keep what I do um, clean, you know, and uh, thank you with that I'll pass. And thank you, Melissa C. Just a reminder, we're going to be focusing on the first paragraph on page 78. Okay, Marie Z, it is your turn. Star one to unmute. This is Marie V. Can you hear me? Hey, Marie V. I can. Okay. Good morning to everybody, and uh, thank you for your service. Uh, the first paragraph on 78, nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Years of, uh, of um, feuds of years standing melt away in an hour. I had the experience, My probably my biggest resentment was my mother. And uh, I was so angry at her for so many reasons. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, uh, she got sick and I went to take her to emergency. And uh, she had nothing but like flu symptoms, you know. And uh, uh, suddenly her system started shutting down. And something told me I'd better make amends to this woman, and I owed her many. And um, I did. I made the amends. And I started off by telling her I was so sorry for the years that I mistreated her, that I cussed her out, that I took her out of my house screaming and yelling like a maniac because I was on amphetamines, you know, and I was crazy out of my mind. And uh, she unexpectedly said to me, you have nothing to be sorry for. You were always a good daughter. You were, you have always been there for me. And if you treated me badly, chances are I had it coming, which was a real shock because I never expected that from her because she was always the opposite. She always went against whatever I said. And what's amazing about it is that the next day she died. Hmm. And I always remember that because I, it's like she let me off the hook. She forgave me. She forgave me. And I mean, there were many of these scenes where I, I cursed her out and chased her out of my house. I didn't want anything to do with her. I wanted her out of my life. And um, she forgave me. So all those years of my anger at her melted away when she forgave me. So the unexpected does happen. You know, it really does. This program works when you least expect it to work. It does. God provides us with the power if we live these steps 
he takes over and he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Thank you for allowing me to share. And thank you for your share, Marie. Okay, we have Vasa O, please. Vasa, Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Yes, uh, I I didn't have a lot, a lot of resentment, but whatever I had, there were very, very big resentments. Uh, again, it was towards my father, my mother, my oldest brother. Most of my stuff was done in my head, you know, mental resentments. I wasn't a person that would take, you know, rebellions and stuff like that because I was just so, so afraid. I didn't want to hurt people. I didn't want them to hurt me back, retaliate back. But anyways, um, uh, I remember thinking um, sometimes, sometimes the man we are calling upon admit his faults of views of years standing melt away in an hour. And again, I've, you know, for me, the resentment was gradually, it wasn't all, I wasn't freed from it right away. The more I was going through the steps, the more I heard and the more I healed. Uh, I remember, you know, writing letters, and I remember doing face-to-face, and I remember doing over the phone. But the most one that, um, that the big, well, it wasn't the big, but it was good size of a resentment I carried against my older brother. And he did come to OA for a few, few times, you know, and he knew what resentments were. And uh, and I made up, you know, I, I told him how um how reg- I regretted calling him names. And uh, and he made big resentment, too. He says, you know, Vasa, we did a lot of mistakes as growing up. You know, I need to make amends to you and my other brothers, too. So it just melted right then. We became the best friends, and he died like three or four months ago. And this was like 29 years ago when it happened. And it's just amazing how things can just melt away. But going and saying to people, if I don't um, make my uh, my amends, then I'm going to eat. They don't understand. I mean, to say, you know, I'm not going to drink, it's much more serious thing. Um, I are uh, drugging, but food is just, people are so surrounded with food, and they don't think it's a problem. Most people don't think it's a problem. They look at me like I'm crazy, you know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people think. I need to do it for myself, you know. And uh, uh, I was set free with my father. My father was alive for another 15 years. I was in recovery. My behavior changed towards him. You know, I started feeling like, you know, like I used to think he was my enemy. He tried to harm me, and there was a lot of harm done as growing up. You know, I'll just wrap it up. It meant he meant well in for so many things. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. It must be my time. Thank you, and I pass. Okay. Thank you so much, Vasa O. Okay. Who else would like to uh, comment for about three minutes on that uh, first paragraph? On this is Be- Beverly Bev- from Pennsylvania. Beverly. Bev, what's your last first initial to your last name? B as in boy. Okay, Beverly B. Whom else would Read like the piece. to Reva P. And next. Anyone else? All right. Let's go with Beverly B. 
please go ahead, Beverly. And Beverly B. Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm very grateful to be on the line this morning. It's been quite a while, and I love um, the big book study. And, and it, I really love how it says we will be gratified with the results. And some of the reminders that I'm being reminded of today is that all the ill will that I had towards others, it poisoned my heart and my relationships with others, and that every day that I'm abstaining from compulsive overeating, I'm making an amends to myself, and that I really do love, and and how my sponsor and sponsors have have given me step-by-step directions to pray before I went and pray after and that it wasn't about them it was me that I had to repay losses that I had done money um, amends and different amends and I didn't have the right to my peace of mind at another's expense you know that um and today that is so loving for me and that's why I need the reminders every day to continue and um it says we go to our former enemies, sometimes praise what we are doing and wish us well. And, um, you know, I had a lot of ill will, ill feelings against others that hate and that resentment. I mean, resentments, I was like rageful. And only until I did it could um, I, you know, today I have peace of mind around family members, around dead, the dead and the deceased in my life. And that I'm really grateful that the benefits of making amends um, from the past and that I can live in today and freedom. Freedom comes from practicing these steps, and I just love it. And um, so I'll go, with that, I'll just mute and pass with a lot of gratitude. Thank you. And thank you, Beverly B., so much for sharing. Okay, Reva P., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I wanted to share on the last sentence that we've made our demonstration, done our part, and it's water over the dam. Um, That reminds me that I'm responsible for the effort and I'm not responsible for the outcome. So I've got to watch the expectations, um, which sometimes I'm not even aware that I have. Um, And it's about my actions and behaviors more than the words that I say, because it's easy to say I'm sorry, and it's a lot harder to change my behavior. Um, So recently, I've been doing, you know, the big amends um, way back when I did the first uh, set of inventory work um, were quite positive, but lately I've been doing the living amends um, with my husband, my son, my mother, most, um, I think those the most, and um, I really have to watch the unexpected happens because I still have a lurking notion in the back of my mind that if I change for the better, that people will change too. And you know what? They don't. And it's uncomfortable. Um, But when I've gotten to this point in the inventory process where my behaviors are so objectionable and I've asked God to remove them and I'm willing to change for the better... Um, I'm willing to go through this discomfort of seeing that, you know, I can change myself, but I can't change anybody or anything around me because I don't have that power. Um, 
And just to put out there that it's not always so comfortable. It's not always like this amazing white light experience. But I do it anyway because I will go to any lengths to not go back to where I was. Um, and I don't want to be that mother, wife, um, daughter. Um, I want to be the person that God envisions me to be. So um, it might be a bit of discomfort till I get to the other side and the new behaviors are more um, comfortable or more of a habit, but it's part of the process and um, that's what I do. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. And thank you so much, Reva P. I didn't know if that was her line or what. Um, However, um, I'm going to just um, uh, share for a minute or so. Uh, my name is Janice M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I love this paragraph. It says, in nine cases out of ten. Okay, being a former gambler, nine times out of ten, that's 90%. <laughs> that's pretty good odds to be 90% that we will be gratified. We will be, it, it will be unbelievable. You know, what I thought, what how I thought, and how I think and what the conclusion that I thought would happen does not happen. It didn't happen for me. That's my experience when I did this step. And then, of course, you know, we're, I went in well prepared, as I could be for the day, because I went in not alone. I went in with my higher power and being prepared with my sponsor prior to even going in, I had some security. You know, I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone with with Janice and um, thinking of all the results. And it says here, it says, rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. Golly, where did we hear that before? Rarely have we, do we fail. That means hardly ever, you know, hardly ever uh, do we, uh, are we unsatisfactory. Do we make unsatisfactory progress that we will come out so much better than when we went in? And then our former enemies, you know, um, will praise us. I didn't expect that. (laughs) I expected the worst because queen of negativity, you know. But again, the purpose here is for me, the one goal, the one purpose, the one aim was to be free from what? From guilt that I was holding from the resentments, from the fear, from the shame, from the remorse, okay? Whatever happens as a result of this is up to God. I don't give the outcomes. God does. And you know, what has done, at least I did my part, what was already done is done. We cannot change it. That's water over the dam. Okay, is there anybody else that wants to um, share on this before we go on? Matt M. Matt M. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, fellow visualists. This is Matt M. Compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Um, this step is very important for me because last time I was going through the steps, I was working on my step nine. I picked up because I was afraid of what some of the people I was going who I was going to approach, what they were going to do. Um, but it's not about that. You know, this is this is a very um, serious step. If I fail to enlarge my spiritual life or fail to go to the people that I own immense to, especially two that I have on my list. I just did my fifth step uh, yesterday, finished it up. Then I'm going to pick up again. It basically says that, you know, I have to be willing to go to any lengths, and I have to be willing to put down my pride 
and to listen to what the people have to say. And again, it's not about them. It's about me. I'm not, I have to clear away my side of the street. It doesn't matter what their reaction is. And what matters is the fact that I have to put my put two feet forward and try. I'm very lucky that I finally see that because no amount of food is ever going to fix what's between my ears. No amount of uh, wishing things to go away is, good, is good, it's going to help me. I just need to put my, like I said, my best foot forward, do the best that I can, and approach these people with kindness, you know, say the sick man prayer, you know, if they do reject me, because, again, it's about me trying to clear my way to the rest of the past, not about them, and with that, I'll pass. All right, thank you, Matt M. Um, if there is, isn't anyone else, I think we'll go on with Lisa H. on that second paragraph on page 78, please. Star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Lisa H., recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Most alcoholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we are trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory it may cause financial harm. Approached in this way, the most, most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can to let these people know we are sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go. For we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. Um, it was interesting as I was thinking about um, owing money. You know, um, when I was actively um, in my disease of compulsive overeating, um, it wasn't a tremendous amount of money I spent. Um, I was really good at hiding all the evidence, um, and I would gain weight, and then my husband would look at me and think, how are you gaining weight? Um, How are you gaining weight? You don't eat that much. Um, So I was really good at hiding those things. Um, but in this, this paragraph, what it says to me is, um, that the, uh, the one line that says arranging the best deal we can to let these people know we are sorry, because really the biggest financial, that amend that I had to make was to my spouse. Um, I was a stay at home mom and, um, it was a little bit like I used money the way I used food. Um, you know, I would spend money, purchase things to make myself feel better, to not feel the feeling, um, you know, the food. And I also, I mean, realized this much later, um, that I used money in the same way. And so my, my amends, my financial amends, the biggest financial amends has been to my spouse and, and, and it's living amends because I have to. I, it's something I have to do on a regular basis. It's something I, I have had to change my behavior around money. Um, you know, now as we're in our later years, um, we don't have a lot of financial worries. But when, our, when I was really in the disease, um, you know, sometimes money was tight. So um, I'm, I'm, I think that this, I'm faced with this on a daily basis and really um, – only with the help of my higher power, um, a lot of times bringing it to, to my awareness um, is this something that I want? Am I trying to spend money to make myself feel better? Um, 
um, or is it something that's really necessary? Uh, anyway, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you so much, Lisa H. Okay, who would like to share on this second paragraph? Nessa R. Okay, I hear Nessa R. Carol K. Virginia. Carol K. I hear Virginia. Yes. Virginia, what's your first initial of your last name? C. Okay, I hear Virginia C. Next. All right, we'll go with those three. Nessa R., you're up, my dear. Thank you very much. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. What are we trying to what we are trying to do? So what are we trying to do? Um, I'm trying to get right with God because that is my solution. My solution is living a life align where my will is aligned with with God's will. And I cannot set things right with God unless I set things right with my fellows first. And although I know this paragraph deals strictly with uh, restitution, you know, with financial amends, this really applies to everything. Um, I cannot ask God to forgive me, to say I'm sorry to God for the harms that I have done others. I have to set those right first. Um, you know, and that, that is the goal. The goal is to unblock myself from God because he is my solution. You know, we've learned that in, um, in step two. And if I don't unblock myself from God, um, I have a warning here. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we are liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. So if I don't make my amends, I am remaining blocked from my solution. And if I'm blocked from my solution, that puts me closer um, to the next compulsive bite. Um, and we know how well that works for me as a solution to my, to my problems. Um, the solution here is God. Uh, we have to really remember this. What are we trying to do? You know, we're not trying to win a popularity contest. We're not trying to shy away from discomfort, which, you know, making amends can be quite uncomfortable. You know, I'm trying to reach a permanent workable solution that will keep me away from the food, and I pass. Well, thank you, Nessa. Uh, okay, Carol Kay, it is your turn. Hi, this is Carol Kay. Uh, good morning, everybody. Yeah, um, as far as amends goes, um, this is a really hard one for me because, you know, I knew it all. I, excuse me, I knew everything, um, and I was always right, and everybody else was always wrong. So when I was going through the fourth step with my sponsor, um, you know, God bless her because I was a tough one. I was a tough nut to crack. Because I was just seeing everybody else's and what they did. And even after writing everything down, I still saw it was them and not me. And then I finally got it. Um, and the reason is, is this. I would have done anything, and to this day I still will, to be connected to my higher power. And I knew that this was something I had to do. And I just prayed and prayed. And, uh, and I finally saw my own part in this. You know, the, the, the biggest person that I had to make an amends to was my husband because financially I have destroyed my family. It's that simple. 
we're still trying to catch up on bills and everything else. You know, I would play with the mortgage money all the time. I'd say, well, you know, I have three months because they can't start foreclosure for three months. So I would continue ordering out my binge food, not giving a shit. You know, the water would get shut off, and I'd be like, oh, well, I'll have it turned on next week. Oh, I, I wasn't stupid. I had all this down pat in my head when my husband got paid. Um, so, you know, I always played with the money. But then I'd wait until it was just about three months where the mortgage was behind, and then I'd make one payment. And I did this for years while I was in the food. And my life was miserable. It was, I, you know what? I got to say this. This the last thing I have to say is, I have a fear of picking up. And you know what? For me, that's an excellent fear, because I should be fearful to pick up again, because I know the life I have now, which I have an excellent relationship with my husband and all my kids. I made amends to everybody. Thank you, God, they all accepted. Because I'm not too sure if I was them, I would have accepted. Not only did I screw us up financially, but I hurt my husband in other ways. I went on a diet, uh, Jenny Craig. I lost over 100 pounds. I was in my late 30s. I thought I was hot stuff. God's gift to all, all men. And I went out there, and I was, I was disloyal to my husband. And so did I screw up my life? I did. I did. This disease got me. This disease got me good. And let me tell you something. Whatever it takes for me to stay out of this disease, I'm going to do it. If my sponsor tells me, go out the dog run and eat up the dog turd, I'm going to do it. Because you know what? I don't ever want to go back there again. I don't want to hurt these people anymore. These are the people I love, and I don't ever want to hurt anybody ever again in my life. And whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Thanks for um, letting me share. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah, and thank you so much, Carol Kay. Okay, Virginia C., it's your turn. Hi, this is Virginia C. from New York. Um, I just, you know, we're talking about financial amends, and I just I wanted to share my story around my financial amends, and that was that um, when I did my inventory, it turned out I figured out I owed about $6,000 in financial amends, all from stuff I had, from money I had stolen before the age of 18, I was a teenager from parents, employers, et cetera. Um, and so I kind of hemmed and hauled about, oh, that's a lot of money, and where am I going to get this from? I mean, I had it kind of, but I didn't want to take it out of my emergency savings. And um, so I took a few months just kind of thinking about it. And I work in an industry where we get a, um, a yearly bonus every year in February. And my bonus has been pretty, you know, stable throughout, you know, the last several years. And the year that I need to make my financial amends, I received an award, a special award from a client that I, you know, I've been this company 17 years. I'd only received that award that one year and have not received it again since. And it was an award for $10,000. And after taxes... $10,000 $10,000 on a bonus is about exactly $6,000. And so I took that $6,000 and I made my financial amends. And I know that that was not a coincidence. That was divine guidance. That was God showing me, here is the money. Here yeah. is the money. You need to make these amends so that you can get on with your life. And I just... You know, I just, I tell, whenever anyone tells me they're afraid about financial, making a financial amends, I just say, just 
have the willingness to make them, and God will provide the resources. And um, so I just thank you for letting me share. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you so much, Virginia C. Okay, we still have time for a couple. Okay, if you please would would mute your phone because we can still hear you. Anybody else would like to comment on this? I'm going to mute the line. I'm going to mute the line for us. Let me see now. Okay, it's all muted. So, who whom else would like to share on this paragraph? Star one to one mute. Minky W. Vicky W. No, Minky W. Minky W. Okay, anybody else? Kim G. Kim. Kim G. Okay, let's go with those. Uh, how about one more? Well, let's go with those two. Minky W. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. This is Minky W. from New York. Grateful to be here. So my ninth step amend. Um, I was so scared when I wrote my. Eighth step, I said, I'm never going to go through with these nine steps. I can't. Um, it's too hard for me, and I'm going to say all the wrong words, and I can't go through, I, you know, I can't do the ninth step. And um, my sponsor really helped me and guided me, and, you know, I wrote out a script before that so that I don't hurt people even more by making my amends. And um, surprisingly enough, all the amends went over well. And um, it was so freeing, and I was able to live with myself and, as they promised, look other people in the eye. And, you know, in terms of financial amends, it took me a really, really long time to um, pay everybody back, and I'm still working on it. Um, But each um, person that I owed money, and sometimes it was just as little as, you know, $20 a month and... By the time the loan was paid off, or after the debt, or whatever, you know, the money that was, whatever it was, um, each one was so freeing. I was like, I felt like I was like on a high. It was like God was with me. And, you know, I had some people that said, now you don't have to pay me back. But I knew between me and God and my higher power that I need to do this for myself and for my higher power. And I just went and continued doing one amendment after the other. And I'm grateful that this doesn't have to be done in one day. It's okay not to, you know, kind of like push it off because, you know, just because you're afraid or whatever, but just to do it slowly and carefully so that I don't hurt other people and that I don't hurt um, my finances in the process and hurt, you know, the people who look close to me. So for that, I'm grateful, and I'm so grateful to everybody on the line. With that, I pass. And thank you so much, Minky W. Okay, Kim G., it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and uh, we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we're liable to drink if we are afraid to face them. You know, at least for me, I see five times in this big book that during this ninth step that it's telling me I'm going to eat again if I don't do these amends. But with this specific warning, it's not telling me that owing the money is going to make me eat again. It's the fear of the creditors. It's the fear of of, uh, not facing these people. So that's why I needed to make these amends. You know, I I worked at a 7-Eleven in in college, and um, my boss taught me how to steal. 
you know, he was a very um, unscrupulous man, which I didn't realize at the time because I was only 18. But he taught us, you know, if you want a hoagie, just backdate it two days and put it in the in the write-off bin, and you can have your hoagie. If you want a candy bar, just rip off the, the wrapper and put it in the write-off bin, and, you know, you can have your candy bar. And every time I was in a nine-step meeting and I would think about that, I think I'd owe an amends. And every time I talked to someone, they'd tell me, oh, you don't owe an amends because you didn't steal anything. Your boss told you to do it. But that angst was what was eating away at me. So when I went through this big book method and I put aside what my boss told me and I looked where I was selfish, where I was dishonest, where I was self-seeking and I was frightened, I saw that, that I knew it was wrong and I still did it. I saw how self-seeking was, well, everyone else is getting free food. I'm going to get free food. And I saw now that that fear was going to make me eat again. So when I looked at how can I, create, how can I um, restitute that harm, because I didn't owe money to 7-Eleven, I didn't owe money to my boss, because he did tell me it was okay. And what I wound up doing was I, this was, you know, a few years ago during the recession was really bad, is, is I donated a bunch of food to a um, – uh, a food bank because I needed to replace that food regardless if it was quote-unquote right or wrong according to my boss and I have to tell you now one of the things that I do is every month um, at one one paycheck a month I donate food to that that food bank because I have stolen a lot of food from the universe whether it was right or wrong whether the babysitter told me it was okay I could eat, eat whatever I wanted and I ate them out of house and home and they still told me it was okay so what I had to recognize was I had to right the wrong of where I was selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. And if I wasn't going to do that, it was my fear of the creditor. It was my fear that I was going to drink again. And it didn't matter whether other people told me I owed the amends or not. It didn't matter for me personally. The other formats I did, which told me it was okay because my boss said it was okay, it was how it sat with me. And I could not sit in that fear and resentment without eating again, and that is why I had to make an amends according to what my higher power told me. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Kim G. Okay, we have about a minute. Does anyone want to share on this paragraph for a minute? Or two? No one else? All right. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you to everyone who has shared and who's, who are listening. Please join us in the serenity prayer. I mean, I'm sorry. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, Carmela G., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Go ahead, Carmela. Hi, this is Carmela G. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great gift for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. 
Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.